Hey, this is Neil Bawa, the Mad Scientist of Multifamily, and you're listening to the Mailbox Money Show with Bronson Hill. This is the Mailbox Money Podcast, and I am Bronson Hill. As a busy professional, I wrestled with how to grow my income without taking up more of my precious time. I learned that managing real estate, actively trading stocks, or being unable to scale up investments is not passive investing. This is the place where you'll discover new asset classes, develop investing skills, and learn from experts how to become financially free with less work than you thought possible. And now, get ready for truly passive income. All right, so welcome, welcome. I am super excited about this interview. A couple of the takeaways I got talking with Dustin about multifamily are just what's happening, what's changing, fixed rate versus some of the, you know, the challenges with fixed rate is you have prepayment penalties, right? If and we paid millions of dollars in prepayment prepayment penalties, but right now anybody who has fixed debt is sitting pretty because they're not having to deal with, you know, working with the uh the variable debt or the shorter term uh debt that, you know, after a couple of years will typically need to be extended or find some new way to be able to manage that property. So uh, really great. Also, we talked a bit about personal development, uh, fitness, some of the other things that go into just making yourself to be a better person. So I really recommend this episode. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, you're going to enjoy it. Just some of his experience that you know, starting in as an engineer and then using those skills to leverage into multifamily. So let's do it here. So welcome to the Mailbox Money Show. My name is Bronson Hill. Um, multifamily apartment investing is changing. It looks different than it did 12 to 18 months ago. Primarily, it has to do with rising interest rates, which can lead to a lot of pain in, uh, you know, in, in the marketplace for investors. It can be challenging to find deals that actually make sense because now rates are higher. But there are people that are finding great deals out there and are still doing deals, and they're doing deals in a, in a conservative way. And so... Uh, my friend today, I'm really excited about this interview, Dustin Miles. He lives in Dallas, Texas. They do, they've do. they been investing for over 10 years, done over 2,500 units, uh, just tons of experience and just a really reputable guy. So I'm really excited to have him here today. We're going to talk about the changing nature of multifamily apartment investing. So Dustin, how are you today? Great. Great. Yeah. I'm excited to be on the show. Awesome. Good to have you, man. We'll give people a little bit of background. I know we actually, we had kind of met through some friends in different ways, connected a couple of times, and then there's a... Uh, entrepreneurs group that we're a part of uh, called Strategic Coach. And so we were kind of spending some time there and got to hang out in LA not too long ago, which was awesome. But give people a little bit of background about uh, kind of how you got started or kind of what you did before real estate and kind of how you got into real estate. Yeah, um, I guess I will uh, take it back to to being eight years old. <laughs> so, but uh, it all it, began with a young boy and a dream, right? <laughs> yeah. How much time uh, do we have? <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'll be brief. But um, right. yeah, so I, you know, I've always been pretty entrepreneurial. Um, little kid, I had a, a candy business. Uh, my bus driver called me the candy man. So uh, it was a lot of, lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I didn't eat my profits way either. And I do have, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, sold Laffy Taffy, uh, Jolly Ranchers and uh, can't remember the blow pops. There you go. Now, I got to ask you this. I, I got to ask you this. Your source of these candies. I remember my grandmother's house. We'd go over in Seattle where I grew up. She had this candy closet that my whole, my, my siblings, my cousins, they all knew you just go in there, you go raid the closet, get whatever you want. Did you have a source of free or cheap candy or did you have to actually go buy your own supplies? No, yeah. Um, went to no, I was pretty sold a lot of candy. I was uh I was clearing 50 bucks a week at eight years old, but 
eight years um, old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my mom was like, should we charge you rent? But um, <laughs> you know, um, I, my uh, parents fronted me the money and then I just, and then we went to Sam's and then I bought, I, I mean, my whole corner of my room was candy. So I had a, I had a ton of candy. Um, but, um, anyways, but yeah, you know, started there and then I had, uh, had an internet business, you know, I'm 45. So I had an internet business when I was in college. So that was pretty early on. That's before everybody, you know, had a website to get, give, to kind of age me. I sold, uh, uh, actually I didn't know anything about them, but I knew I could make money on Pokemon cards. So I sold, I wish I would have kept some of them. It's probably it's worth a lot yeah. now, but, um, I sold Pokemon cards on Yahoo auctions and you're like, when did Yahoo have auctions? So, um, so anyways, but yeah, I did that. And, uh, so I did that while I was in engineering school. So I had the kind of had the option to go into business school or engineering school at, at UT Austin and, and chose, um, chose engineering school. I was, you know, paying for my uh, my own way to go through school didn't have a whole lot of money and um and then I was working a few jobs and all that but um I like you know wanted to challenge and I wanted to be able to make money I thought I'd be able to make my you know more money quicker with an engineering degree and all that so um you know got into engineering I didn't like any of my classes and then I was kind of far enough into I was like I gotta just you just put my head down and just finish but um, and then, you know, got into engineering and, um, as soon as I got into engineering, it's like, this is not for me. And so I started, you know, looking around and obviously real estate, you know, pops up pretty quick. So, um, I started doing sing single family rentals and flips like 15, 16 years ago. You know, that's how a lot of people start. Right. Um, so, you know, had some success, but I was like, there's, I'm gonna have to buy like 30 to 50 houses to, you know, to be able to you know, quit my job and all that. I worked as a, uh, worked as an engineer, um, at defense contractor. And, um, so anyways, um, you know, started looking around and then, you know, gotten a multifamily, uh, so gotten a multifamily, um, actually 11 years ago this month. Um, you know, it was a, I was a KPI deal. I was more passive on the deal, but, you know, kind of, you know, helped with due diligence and all that stuff. But, um, so anyways, yeah, you know, kind of fast forward and all that, you know, I've done a total of, uh, 15 syndications that I've put together and I invest passively, you know, kind of separately as well. But, um, yeah, it's been, been fun. Um, you know, definitely learned a lot, you know, when I was starting out, obviously it's very, very different than, you know, wish I would have bought everything under the sun then. Um, uh, but you know, right. uh, yeah, we are where we are. So. Well, I want to I want to say space on a couple of things you said. Um, you know, it's interesting. I've met a lot of people that are engineers that are in syndication, and I think there's a lot of carryover. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. But um, you know, if people to be an engineer, from what I understand, I'm not an engineer, but it's there's a lot of processes and rules and checklists and understanding kind of what this affects that, and so you know, in a way. You know, uh, and again, there's different types of engineering, of course, there's civil engineering where you're building, you know, whatever, I mean, I, there's different types of mechanical, different things, but there's these rules in place and you follow this process and you get a certain result, right? So with multifamily, a lot of people that are really good, it's usually I found people that are really good operators, sometimes they are engineers or sometimes they're a CPA or there's some other person that has a high degree of kind of technical learning. How do you feel that's helped you? uh, with being a multifamily operator? Yeah. You know, I think some of that was maybe innate, but, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, engineering definitely helps with processes and, 
um, you know, from strategic coach, I'm high on the fact finder. Um, so, you know, all of that, uh, definitely, you know, plays, plays a part for sure. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I think it, you know, it, it all helps, um, but it also, you know, I, I think it kind of hindered me initially because, you know, analyze, 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 analyze. And at some point you gotta just, you know, you gotta pull the trigger too. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe initially, you know, help, but then it also, I had to learn, you know, at what point, what, where's that line where I just have to pull the trigger. Um, so, cause otherwise you can just fact find and do your due diligence and analyze all day. Yeah. And, and you're, you know, you're referencing the, the test called Colby, um, not like Kobe Bryant, but like K-O-L-B-E, right. The Colby test. Um, it's a great test for anybody that has a business, um, and this group called Strategic Coach, which, which if you don't know Strategic Coach, um, the author has uh, helped create books like Who Not How, The Gap in the Game. There's another one called 10X. These are the 2X. Totally changed my life. It's just, and it's really a powerful uh, group. And so um, anyway, just having, um, I don't know where I was going to go with that, but the idea of having, you know, uh, oh, sorry, it was the Colby test. The Colby test has something. So for you, you have a strength. There's four different metrics. It's like, data, fact-finding, uh, quick start, and I think implementing is the last one. And so you're high. Are you high on the first two? Or are you high on data and? Uh, uh, I can't, I'd have to check. Yeah, you check and see. Yeah. But you're high on data. I, I'm just kind of okay on data. It's like a four or five out of 10, but my highest is quick start, right? So it's starting something new, being able to start new things. So we're constantly starting new things. And it's something that drives my team crazy, but I try to get people around me that are really good data people and that can really kind of help uh, on different processes of the sides of that. Um, so you talked a little bit about how you, uh, you know, your story actually reminds me a little bit. Uh, do you know Andrew Cushman? I know the name, but no. Okay. He he's also he's featured on Bigger Pockets sometimes. He's a multifamily guy. He started as an engineer, and then he did a flip, and he realized, man, I made more money in this flip than I could make, you know, in the whole year as an engineer. This was years ago, so he quit his job like in 2008 or something and started flipping houses. But then he had the same revelation that like, you know, this is just a lot of work, and and if I flip, like, I, I can't really scale how I want. So was it really the desire that, you know, you realized that flipping was kind of like it was another job and that it, the only really way to, to scale was to kind of go after bigger deals? Yeah, it was it was that um, it, it was also, you know, initially, um, you know, there was, you know, I, I wanted to be able to replace my job and, and all that uh, and replace the income there. Um, and then, you know, kind of once you get to a different, you know, once you get to a certain spot, it's like, OK, well what do I want to do in life? And, um, you know, and I, I really, really enjoy, you know, what we're doing and I really enjoy the people we're working with and, you know, and the, and the ultimately the, you know, the investors and the residents that we're serving. Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is really great to have something that's, um, you know, like it's, it's a mission, right? We're not just doing this for, for wealth. We're not just doing it to line our pockets or that, Hey, this, there's nothing else we could do. It's like, no, we're doing this. We really feel like we're really able to help and serve tenants and communities and, and make things better. I mean, that's, it's interesting. I've had conversations. I remember there was this uh, Uber ride I had coming back. I was looking at a deal. We bought a deal in uh, Alabama and I took the red eye or I took a, it was like a one day flight. It was like a super bliss flight from LA going and check out this property and then coming back we we're getting ready to buy it. And then I came back and I had this really awkward ride with like this Uber or Lyft driver and she was just like, you're everything that's wrong with the world. Like kind of the idea of oh, like, wow. <laughs> what we do, right? But she's like, oh, you do gentrification and you're the reason why, whatever. And so it's just interesting how it's kind of misunderstood and how 
you know, people have different views about what we do, but I, I feel like it's, it's, we really do make communities better. The alternative is places get run down and bad actors come in there. You get not like, you know, people that aren't good at acting, but people that are drug dealers or whatever, so they come in and they, um, and so you know, I feel like it's very rewarding. Um, can you give any examples of how you, um, I don't know, I like some, maybe some other ways of how you help improve communities or, or ways you respond to people when they say, oh, you're a slumlord or whatever, like, is there, like way you, you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I show them some before and after pictures. I'm like, well, you know, you, you, you be the judge, but, you know, here you go. Um, yeah. So, we, you know, we, we do spend, you know, the deals, most of the deals, you know, we're doing now, we're, you know, spend, you know, millions of dollars and, um and and we take a lot of pride um in in the communities um and you know so i mean we're you know there's lots of lots of cleanup you know that that takes place um you know both physical but then also the the tent base some sometimes we inherit some some folks like you mentioned that you know probably shouldn't have been there and um you know and that's because of you know sometimes it's the people that are currently working there before we buy you know just don't maybe don't have as much ownership in the property or maybe don't care, or maybe they're placed there on a temporary basis and they know they're not going to be there very long. And so it's, it, you know, and I get it, that's tough to, you know, tough to really have ownership in the property if, if, you know, you're about to be shipped out. So, uh, but we, you know, we spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of money. Um, you know, we, uh, we do a lot of resident events as well. Um, that's really, you know, important to us. Yeah, one one kind of touch that we do, um, we haven't seen this um, anywhere else, but, you know, we want, you know, if you really think about it, I was I was talking to someone I was we were walking around. I was like, you know, if you think about it, we we're walking by some apartments um, that we owned and we we're like, you know, that, you know, that how many birthdays were in there, you know, was yeah. you know, was was a baby born in that one, you know, how many, you know, who came home from a military service in that one, you know, I mean, like this is. This is, I mean, this is serious stuff. This is people's lives, lives, their homes. So um, we take it, you know, super seriously. Uh, And then also just kind of, um, you know, we, we name, you know, the, the ones in Houston are are named after my son. So I have a extra, you know, incentive to, you know, to make sure that, uh, you know, those are, those are looking really good and performing well too. Yeah, that's great. No, it's great to, to feel like you have, you know, something you're doing that you're really impacting people's lives and your right life gets lived there and you get to be a part of that. Um, so let's talk about a little bit, you know, multifamily right now uh, looks very different. We're recording this uh, toward the end of September 23 and, you know, it, it's changed a lot. You know, rates have risen a lot. We're seeing now we're about 18 months in or so from when rates started rising. Uh, we're feeling it. We have some some capital. We have a capital call. You know, we're seeing. I talked to one investor that said, "Oh, I had five capital calls of different deals." Like we're just seeing lots of different stuff. And obviously, there's a difference between fixed rate uh, deals and those that have bridge debt. But anything value add these days, we're seeing. And I've talked to guys, you know, super great operators in the field. I can mention them by name, but they're you know they're they're just super experienced. Um, are you seeing? Um, or I should say, maybe just talk a little bit about kind of what we're seeing right now and how things have changed. Yeah, there's, you know, there's a few, obviously, um, interest rates, you know, are, are playing a part. It's also, you know, honestly, it's a little more right now, it's a little more challenging in Texas operating wise. I can't speak for the rest of the country, but we're, we're definitely seeing a softening. Um, you know, we had rental increases of, you know, 10, 20%, you know, a year or two ago. And, and that's, you know, come, come way down. 
Um, I mean, we're, we're seeing some opportunities, you know, in the market, um, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, some people, uh, you know, still, you know, we, we still, um, you know, do bridge debt and we, we just put a cap on there, but, um, so, you know, uh, it, it's interesting. So I, I'm not, you know, there's, there's, I'm not saying anything's right or wrong or whatever we've seen, you know, some people going into fix, fixed debt, but you're going to be, you know, you know rates are high. So you're going to be, you know, towards the, uh, you know, upper end. Um, so, you know, but we're seeing some interesting opportunities. Um, and, and like you mentioned, it's, um, you know, we've seen some very experienced, you know, 20 plus 25 year, you know, track record, you know, 10,000, 20,000 units, um, where they've struggled. And sometimes it's not necessarily on the operations where they've struggled, but, you know, they had a, you know, they had the the wrong kind of loan paired up or sometimes their timing was just off too. Um, yeah. But, you know, maybe they didn't buy three year cap, maybe they bought two year cap. And so they're, you know, they're struggling, you know, because of that. Yeah, no, we're, we're seeing it as well. And I think what you said, you know, in Texas, we're seeing it in Florida with insurance costs have risen, you know, two to 300% due to the hurricanes. And we're seeing that kind of in the Southeast in general, we're also seeing costs of labor and materials go up. Um, and, you know, rents have risen, but not as much. And so again, you got higher expenses and for some of these deals, um, you know, you have costs are going up in every area, rents maybe a little bit, but they've kind of slowed down at least in certain areas. And so it, it's getting more challenging. So it does really, um, you know, my friend Ken McElroy was saying that this, this 2023 really is the year of operations. I mean, every year is the year of operations, but especially this year of like, if you don't operate things really well, um, you're not, you know, it's not going to go well, right. There, there used to be like between, uh, you know, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, but between 2010 and 2020, it seemed like you could kind of do just, I mean, as long as you didn't like grossly neglect your property, you kind of, for the most part, were okay. And it's just the fact that you were an owner, right? You were a genius if you just own stuff, right? And now like we're seeing like, you know, it's that saying when Warren Buffett, you know, it's only when the tide goes out, you see who's been swimming naked, right? And so there's some people, there's some people swimming naked who we didn't know that or stuff's happening. And we're seeing before it was like people that, like, I mean, there was that Wall Street Journal article about 3,200s in, in Houston, right? Where like, I didn't have any rate cap. And then we're seeing those deals. All those are having trouble. Now it's even people with rate caps, but any value adds can have some trouble. And um, do you guys do kind of a mix of, of bridge debt and with caps and then also fixed debt? Or what kind of stuff do you guys uh, yeah, are you working with? Um, traditionally, it's it. So whenever I started in, you know, 2011, 12, 13, um, you know, we were, everything was all fixed debt. Um, it was 10 year money and, um, you know, uh, it, uh, it's interesting. So everybody was doing that. And then, you know, up into the, you know, getting up to 18, 17, 18, 19, 20, then everyone would start doing, you know, floating rate bridge debt. And, um, so, and then it feels like a lot of people are swinging back, you know, the, the other way, but, um, you know, I, I've paid, you know, we've had to pay, you know, yield maintenance on on some of the 10-year money and and it hurts you know we had a deal um you know where we you know we paid the loan was only you know it was only four million we paid seven or eight hundred thousand in prepayment penalty i mean that's a you know that's a huge huge chunk of the of the loan and so um, yeah, we could have, we, you know, did well and could afford on that deal, but I mean, it's, you know, it, it bites you, uh, for sure. So, um, we, uh, kind of the older deals, um, that have, uh, they're all, um, they're all long-term debt. 
uh, uh, right now the newer deals are are all um, all bridge debt with with caps. So um, we've been, I, you know, we've been, you know, fortunate. Um, so we'll we'll see. Yeah, you know, I I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball necessarily where, um, and we can talk more about that. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of see where where rates roll. So yeah, um, you know, it is. Uh... Interesting. We've had some deals too. Similarly, like you know, 2018, 2019, we got some you know fixed debt, and then we just you know paid millions of dollars in in prepayment penalties. So it's kind of a for a while it was kind of like, wow, it's kind of a what do we do? What do we do? And now it looks like anybody who has you know uh, fixed debt, um, you know, is is very smart. And of course, you know, that's kind of what your goal is either is to sell or refinance into fixed longer term debt. But um, you know, it really I think comes down to. Uh, at least in my opinion, a lot of the value add the stuff that I assumed, hey, you're getting a margin of safety by adding value, which is true. But when no one can buy your property because rates are, you know, 9% or whatever they are, they can't, you know, it's just not effective to buy a property when rates are that high. But um, what do you think about like kind of opportunities going forward? We are seeing some pain in the marketplace. We're seeing some people lose deals or are taking losses on things. Uh, what do you think the next you know year or two is going to look like? Do you think deals you're going to see those are pretty phenomenal deals like start to become available? Uh yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I, so initially, the deals, the deal, the kind of wave, first wave we saw were deals in rough pockets, rough parts of the area, or you know, so they were in rough pockets, um, kind of you know the deal that that you had referenced, and then um, you know their loan, the loan that they paired up was was not. Um, you know, it was, you know, a higher leverage loan and all that. Um, uh, but then they didn't, you know, I don't, I don't know the details of that deal. Um, I wasn't part of it, but you know, they probably didn't operate, you know, it's really difficult to operate well in, in some of those tougher pockets. So that was kind of, you know, first wave, um, you know, second wave, we're kind of seeing, we're seeing not a ton of deals, but we're seeing deals, um, you know, where they didn't, they bought two year cap instead of three year cap. And so we're seeing some of that, but most of the deals that we're seeing, um, are, are kind of your C class deals that, um, are in a little tougher parts of town. It's a little tougher to operate. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, for a while you could just, you know, throw, you know, throw two tone paint, throw vinyl flooring, you get $150, you know, rent bump and those, those days are gone and you gotta, you gotta operate. And it's more difficult and you're gonna have higher delinquency and bad debt and all that. So those rougher parts of town are, you know, uh, unproportionately, you know, getting affected right now. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely, we're definitely seeing it. Well, what do you see? Um, you know, I know a lot of people that follow this show, the mailbox money show passive income are multifamily investors. And a lot of people are concerned about their deals. Um, what do you see um, kind of the, you know, a lot of it to me has to do with how the Fed will hold rates high. I mean, there's, I think uh, for this month, for September, they decided to kind of hold rates where they are, but they're talking about maybe one more rate increase toward the end of the year, uh, maybe not, but that we're seeing just, you know, there's a lot of exposure to shorter term debt, especially office, stuff like that, that's in, you know, these kind of mid-sized banks. Um do you see the Fed potentially lowering rates within the next six to 12 months? Or do you think it's just we're into an era of higher inflation for a long time? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not, a not an economist. And anytime people make predictions that, you know, they're usually wrong. I, I thought, I thought rates were going to be starting to, you know, find their way down, um, you know, towards the end of this year, everything that we'd heard kind of moved in that direction. 
um you know they've it sounds like every or at least kind of what's being you know put in the media you know they're talking about higher rates for longer um i i feel like personally you know um maybe they're just wanting to see you know wanting to see a little more pain and all that uh but you know it, it's not only real estate you know corporate you know uh, corporations get loans and things like that and they have to re-up and as they're having to re-up at, at these higher rates um you're potentially going to see more and more layoffs um you know i know from the apartment, you know, from our leasing and the apartment world, like we had, you know, we had a, a property where there's a few Amazon drivers and all of them were let go, you know, all at the same time. Um, you know, I know I have friends in IT, they're getting, you know, let go and things like that too. So, um, you know, there's definitely some some hurt um, in, in the system and it'll be interesting. But I, I feel that, you know, personally, I think rates are going to go down, you know, when it is exactly, but, you know, feels like, you know, sometime, you know, I don't know if it's mid next year, late next year, but um, yeah, I, I feel like there has to be, you know, some sort of relief. Um, I saw, you know, mortgage applications are at a, you know, 25 year low or whatever. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of hurt in the system and, you know, the longer this holds, um, you know, I, I think potentially the, the harder that, that, you know, fall is. Um, we we follow Pensford uh, very closely. He's also pretty enter entertaining, um, especially if you're a Cowboys fan. But um, he, you know, he kind of, you know, his his thoughts are, you know, it's uh, they've shown what the rate drop looks like over the last five cycles, and it's uh, it, it's not, it hasn't been a soft landing at least for the last five. Yeah. Years. That's what they're. But who is this you're talking about that you follow? Uh, J, uh, JP Conklin with uh, Pinsford. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he's okay. he's, he's there to too. So. But. Yeah. Okay. That's that's good. Yeah. No, I always love hearing people, and when nobody has a crystal ball, nobody knows what's going to happen. In a way, uh, it's good just to be prepared. But uh, I think you know it is it is something that uh, you know there, there's a lot of uncertainty for a lot of folks, and we've you know, we're still doing our multi. We got our two thousand units. We're still doing multifamily. We're excited about it. Uh, we're also doing other things. We're doing car washes and ATMs and oil and gas and other things as well. But I think it's, um, you know, I, I do think I, I personally think there's there's we're just coming into a time where um, there could be some could be some great deals. You imagine if rates are higher and, you know, we start getting some asset price reductions or there's some some kind of fire sale stuff that happens, which could happen just because of the lending. Um, and then eventually things stabilize and rates come down. Well, if you can be a part of that, you, you could do pretty well, just as we've seen yeah. before. But uh, we don't know that rates will come down. We don't know, you know, virus. We don't know some of these things, but we are seeing, I'm seeing some pain in the marketplace for sure. Um, let's let's shift gears for a minute here. I want to ask you about, uh, just we have a few more minutes, but talk a little bit about uh, your personal growth and, and your fitness stuff. And we're both into fitness. You do a lot of lifting. You were talking about some injuries you work through, but how you're working on stuff. Maybe talk a little bit about kind of the personal fitness as well as personal growth stuff that you're doing personally. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of ties, um, you know, between multifamily or just business in general and and working out and and all that. So it's, you know, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of ties there. I mean, you know, um, it depends on the season, you know, uh, I'm, like you said, I'm working through a few injuries and all that. I love to, uh, uh, you know, uh, been, I don't know, I wouldn't consider myself a runner. I've played soccer my entire life. Um, but you know, um, I, I, you know, I think I, you know, 
uh, run, you know, for a while, I have a run coach and all that. And I was, um, you know, uh, had, you know, had a ton of miles or at least for me, not compared to him. Uh, but you know, had a, had a ton of miles and then kind of, I'd gotten injured from running. Um, I think in 21, at least for me, this was a lot. I ran, uh, 1300 miles, but, um, and then in 22, I was kind of set to do a half marathon. I was going to, you know, probably have, you know, pretty decent time and then kind of got injured. Um, so then I kind of bounced over into lifting and, you know, I'm 45. I had never deadlifted, never back squatted until I was in my forties. And, uh, so that was, that was fun. And then I got injured from that. So, <laughs> but, um, uh, but no, that was, that was very interesting. Um, just to kind of push yourself mentally, like, you know, you're like, oh, I can only do this. And then you get past it and you're like, oh, what else can I do? And so, um, it's, that's a, that's a lot. And same thing with running. There's, um, you know, you think you can only, you, you can't do that speed or that, you know, distance or whatever. And then you push past and you're like, well, what, what else can I do? And so yeah. I think a lot of that translates, you know, over to business and, and multifamily. And it's like, you know, for the longest time, you know, all of my deals were like five, you know, in that five to $10 million range. And then I did one that was 15. And then I was like, Oh, that was, you know, that wasn't so bad. And then I did this. One. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next one was 30. I was like, well, that was hard. Cause it was in the middle of COVID, but <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, okay. And then, you know, you just kind of progress from there, but, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, started gotten a strategic coach, you know, three years ago, um, I, uh, I've been a part of, uh, it's called ISI, um, uh, Aaron Walker out of Nashville runs it. I think I've been that for four or five years. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, so, um, and then I've been a part of, uh, better life with, with Brandon Turner. I joined that earlier this year, just to, mm -hmm. you know, I just want always looking to kind of level up. Um, yeah, I think you're, you know, it's huge who you're, you know, you kind of rub shoulders and elbows with and all that. So um, mm -hmm. I was just kind of looking to, you know, go to the, you know, grow and grow and grow and kind of go to the next level. And um, so, you know, and always love uh, just, yeah, just kind of rubbing elbows with, with different folks, getting different ideas and um, yeah, just trying to, trying to grow um, and, you know, just be a better person. So. Yeah, that's great. I think that's awesome. Well, I really, admire you know how you've built your business and you've really built your you know your reputation as well as your your personal life you've done very well with that um before we wrap up what uh what sort of advice or thoughts do you have for investors like in this season here's something to pay attention to or something that i would be sure to do or to watch out for do you have any uh or any resources you wanted to share yeah i i think um i would just kind of urge people uh to to be patient and, um, you know, I've, uh, you know, like for instance, my, my son, um, just, just started playing soccer. I played uh, 45 I've played since I was four. And so, um, I've kind of urged with him. I'm like, look, you know, you're on, he just started playing soccer. He hadn't really played before. And I was like, look, you're on chapter one of your soccer story. I'm on chapter, you know, 40, 41 of my soccer story. Like, I'm going to be able to do things that you can't do. And because I'm 45, I probably won't be able to do some things you, you know, you can do, but, 
Um, but you know, just, just kind of be, be patient and, um, you know, and, and, you know, just, uh, you know, I, I, uh, see, you know, at least for a while when deal flow was, was more prevalent and all that, you know, it's easy to, you know, look over and, oh my gosh, this guy's doing all these deals, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, yes, but you know, how are those deals doing right now? And so, um, I would just, you know, just be patient, kind of stick to your guns. And, um, you know, if there's something, at least this has worked well for me and I don't want to, you know, speak for other people, but if it's something I'm super interested in, um, I like to hire a coach and cause yes. I want to go from a to wherever my goal is. I want to go from a to my goal, you know, as quickly as possible and, uh, try to minimize mistakes, try to not be injured. Um, and, uh, so I don't know, that's, you know, something that's, that's worked really well with me. Um, I've had a running coach, I have a running coach. I've had a weightlifting coach, a health coach, uh, you know, nutrition coach, just anything I want to get good at, just try to, you know, uh, just try to work with, you know, some of the best people out there. Yeah. That's a big deal, man. That's awesome. I love that you're having an attitude of growth, a growth mindset. I think, you know, I've experienced a huge breakthrough my business when I've uh, committed to personal growth and it's things like uh, even personally like therapy or going to, you know, personal development conferences or setting goals or things like that, or even the personal fitness stuff has been huge. So I encourage everybody to, to do that. Well, appreciate you, man, all the value you're bringing in the multifamily space, to your investors, to your communities. Uh, how can people get in touch with you? How can they connect with you and follow what you're doing? Yep. Uh, my, so my name's, you know, up there, I guess, but uh, I think there's a W if you just, you know, add me on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, our website's just Momentum Multifamily and uh, happy to, you know, happy to have a phone call or uh, happy to help any way I can. So I, I love to try and make, you know, make connections and things like that. That's fun. So. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again, Dustin. Appreciate you being here. This was a lot of fun and appreciate the value you bring in and look forward to connecting at uh, probably one of these strategic coach meetings or some other event that we're doing in the near future. Perfect. All right. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks, Dustin. All right. So great interview here with, with Dustin Miles, um, stellar guy, great reputation in the industry. Um, you know, it's amazing to me the power of networking, right? We're at an event, we meet, we connect, and maybe we'll do a deal together. You know, you don't know what will happen. So as a passive investor or as somebody who's active, it's so important that we grow our network. It's so important that we're continually, continually trying to uh, connect with other people. Uh, one of my big takeaways uh, from this was just really the power of going to events and going to, he mentioned a bunch of different masterminds at the end that he was involved with things that he's doing. I'm involved in several masterminds. We have our own that we're starting up. And so just different things that you can do to get in the room with really amazing people, right? And that's what's, I think really where the magic happens. There's that quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So who you're spending time with is important. So uh, this is kind of last minute push. Hopefully this episode will come out before then, but October 19th and 20th in Los Angeles, we've got some amazing speakers, the Advanced Real Estate Investing Summit, uh, David Green from the Bigger Pockets uh, podcast. We've got Ken McElroy, Neil Bawa, Mark Moss, uh, just some just a stellar lineup, one and a half day event in LA. Uh, people are flying in from all over the country, from the East Coast, wherever to come and join this. So join us there. The website is aresummit.com, aresummit.com. Would love to see you there. It's going to be phenomenal. So. Thanks for taking the time to educate yourself. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Mailbox Money Show. You've been listening to the Mailbox Money Podcast. For more free resources, articles, and videos, go to bronsonequity.com. 
There you can download your copy of the special report, The Single Best Investment Strategy During and After a Pandemic. None of the information shared here is an offer to buy a specific investment, and this is for educational purposes only. Consult your financial, legal, and tax professionals and use your own common sense before making any investment decisions. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to tune next time for more Mailbox Money.